morning and out to school. The teacher is teaching the golden rule. American history and practical man. You study him hard and hoping to pass. Working your fingers right down to the bone. And the guy behind you won't leave you alone. Ring, ring goes the bell. The cook in the lunchroom's ready to sell. If you have time to eat Back in the classroom, open your books Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. It's Sunday at 1, and you're listening to Indigo Radio, deepening understanding and making connections. We are a group of educators broadcasting for over five years with shows about education, prisons, labor, health, housing, media, and voices of resistance. Subscribe weekly to hear more on SoundCloud or Apple iTunes, and follow us at Indigo Radio on Instagram and Facebook. My name is Becca. I'm one of the Indigo Radio co-hosts, and today I'll be airing an interview where Spark alumni share their experiences about becoming teachers during the pandemic and lessons learned. The Spark Teacher Education Institute is a program of the nonprofit educational praxis. Spark currently offers a licensure program in teaching for social justice in the state of Vermont. The program strives to instill an understanding of self and others in conjunction with learning skills, knowledge, critical thinking, and compassion required for creating an equitable and engaging learning environment for all learners. Okay, so I'm talking today with Abigail, Kyra, and Julia, their current or former Spark students in the Spark Teacher Education Institute. Uh, Thanks for being here with us today. So if you all want to start by sharing where you've been teaching over the past year and describe your experience as a teacher in training in general, but also what it's been like for you during this pandemic. Um, Hi, I'm Abigail. Um, I have been, uh, thank you for having me, first of all. I've been a student teacher. This is my second semester now at Brattleboro Union High School. Uh, I've been in um, a history or a social studies classroom that has, that teaches uh, ninth and 10th graders. And also right now we have a dual credit uh, economics class. So 11th and 12th graders. But my experience during the pandemic has been um, a little nuts, but I also don't have a frame of reference. You know, I don't, I wasn't a teacher before the pandemic, Um, but I was, last semester was like a hybrid schedule and then this semester is full on. So that's kind of a frame of reference. The hybrid schedule was um, very interesting and very cold, it felt very um, hard to engage with the students and hard to engage with other people in the school. There was just no time together. And, um, you know, I think every teacher that I've talked to has this experience of, you know, every class had one camera on and one student engaged and there was just no way to reach other students. Some of them were sleeping and some of them were just could not even imagine putting their cameras on. So there there are kids in the hallway this year that I 
like vaguely remember or I've never seen their faces and they're like I was in your your class last last semester and um that's kind of jarring like to not know the faces of some of the kids that I spent a semester with but this year has been um a lot better and it's been really wonderful to be in the school be in the class every day I will say that there's a lot of talk and I think everybody has this experience of like kids losing two years in skills and in kind of social um emotional learning and you know all their kind of uh, abilities there's not not so much talk, talk of what they did gain um and there's 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 that talk of what they lost and what they don't have like the skills that they don't have and then there's other talk around um like the things that they saw during the pandemic or what what their experiences were but they're not with the kids like it's not it's not like we're bringing those kind of critical experiences into the classroom which is a little bit sad um to see and we try to talk about you know what we did learn during the pandemic but then there's just like curriculum you know and what we're it's it's interesting to see what we're expecting from the kids at the same time as talking about like the social emotional learning that they lost or the social time that they lost and how sad that is but like no reassessment of the curriculum no reassessment of standards no reassessment of goals and just right back into college and right back into state testing and right back into um APs and academic talk and you know it's really it's really interesting to watch it feels like a little um uh experiment you know but um uh student teaching has been I mean I at the I'm at the end right now and I really feel like I should I need to have my own classroom and I'm kind of done with the student part of my teaching you know I'm also in a classroom where my teacher my mentor teacher is gone a lot so I'm the solo teacher a lot in this classroom so I've been feeling like I have a lot of autonomy and a lot of um time with the kids and my relationships are really strong and I've been really um grateful for that in general um but yeah I'm ready to move on and have my own classroom and lead lead uh discussions and lead you know uh, students but uh it's been interesting for sure <laughs> hi i'm kyra um i did my first semester of student teaching uh with a social studies classroom uh it was a 11th and 12th grade course and then my that was for one semester and then i was hired as a special educator and so now I'm currently in my own classroom teaching special education. And I would say that the experience overall, I mean, I've definitely learned a lot. I would say at the beginning when I was doing my student teaching, well, I would, I would say it's been interesting to observe the change the changes that are happening with the protocols because it's very clear that the protocols are around COVID in school are not necessarily there to keep students safe. They're there to keep school functioning as a business. Like at the beginning, when I was in the classroom, students, it was very like, you have to be six feet apart. You have to be um, in your seat 
isolated, like very separate um, from other students in the building. You could only walk one way down the hallways. There was like a completely different, I guess you could quote unquote traffic pattern in the school. Um, and slowly, okay, well now we don't have to be six feet apart. We can be three feet apart. And okay, we can take the, we can take the traffic um, one ways off and we can just walk regular. I mean, there was, there was talk about going back to five days a week for the last maybe month of school and students were very anxious. I mean, but the conversation wasn't like really like, oh, well maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't make these changes. It was like, oh, well, you'll be okay. It's okay. We, we got to get back to normal. So you'll be okay. And then returning to this school year, the 21, 22 school year, there was no, there's no option for remote learning. If the agency of education isn't counting remote days as, as school days. So any, any remote day that's counts as like a snow day. So it's going to be added to the end of the school year. If for COVID reasons, you can't be open. And we actually had that happen where we had a day in September where the school had, was behind on contact tracing because of how many students were possible contacts. And so they had to do all of that. And while doing that, it, it would be irresponsible to have an open school day where those exact students are interacting with more students. So it's like, we got to stop the spread of this. So we had to close the school for a day. That day in September counted as a snow day. And we'll be having to make that up at the end of the school year. Um, there's currently no guidelines around dis social distancing at school. And there's no plan for remote learning whatsoever it's very much like oh no we won't do that we're not we're not doing remote learning at all and the cases are going up there's students that I see maybe like once every two weeks if that because of how frequently they're close contact so and that that's throughout the school there's absences daily so that kind of feeds into the whole narrative of 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 um like achievement gaps because of covid like how abigail how was saying the, the the conversation is about what students lost and there's been no change of the standards that were that were asked and and what we're asking students to do uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Julia Lotting. Uh, doing my teaching practicing at Fort River Elementary School in Emmas, Massachusetts. And I've been um, a co-teacher for fourth grade and fifth grade for last semester. But this semester, I, I had only one class with my mentor teacher. That was only the fifth grade. And um, generally, um, what I've learned as a teaching student um, 
is that uh, it has helped me enhance my relationship with the students, teachers, and actually a community at large with also interacting with the parents, like have come to know more students through interaction, know more of the parents also and, and the teachers in general. And the other thing also that I've learned during my teaching is that um, it has built some self-confidence uh, in me that I can also um, uh, be a leader on my own. Like why I say that is because sometimes uh, my co-teacher has been um, taking some days off for personal um, errands and um, I've been uh, solo uh, in a class, but not like the whole day, but because the class has some behavioral issues. So sometimes when I need assistance, I can still, you know, call the office for help. But um, that really made me, gave me some confidence that that also uh, gave me more, more interest of advancing my career in future, like to have more skills to further, to further for more skills so that I can become more uh, confident and comfortable, you know? Yeah. And also um, what I learned also during, um, before we came in person to school, uh, we were doing hybrid, which was a little bit challenging to me because uh, being the first time for you to do uh, the teaching is really challenging because you don't know the students and uh, if there are any kind of behavioral issues for any individual, it's hard to know more about the student in order for you to handle the situation in case of anything. So uh, during the hybrid, I can say that was one of the challenges that I, 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 I encountered, like um, I wasn't able to know all the students. And then the other thing is that the time was kind of really, I feel like it was limited in a way that it was so structured, like, you know, there was no that flexibility and time for social interaction with the students. So everything was kind of just um, structured. When we went back for in-person, it was easier now for me to know the students physically, and interact with them and know more about, you know, about the students. And also I was able to meet more of my colleagues uh, who are also teachers from that uh, school. And we could exchange, you know, more um, like conversation about uh, the system here and the system back home. What how, what are the challenges I face? How do I see it? So we were kind of really uh, exchanging that in our conversations. And I was like, oh, so I learned some things which were not, um, um, which I was not seeing there back home. That's amazing. As I'm listening to you all realizing that you started teaching during like the most challenging time of teaching careers, right? That um, you still want to be teachers and you all still sound like enthusiastic about what you're doing. 
Um, and you sound, you are teachers, you know, we put the label student teacher on. And I know Abigail was talking about like, well, okay, I'm ready to have my own classroom. But in a way you each stepped up and took on a lot of responsibility um, that doesn't always happen during the initial phase of, of teaching. So it's amazing to hear your all's experiences. Welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on WVWLP Brattleboro. We're listening to an interview with Abigail, Julia, and Kyra, who share their experiences of becoming teachers during the pandemic and lessons learned in the Spark Teacher Education Institute, a rigorous one-year teacher licensure program preparing educators to investigate thoughts and act for a more just world. But we'll move on into your what you've experienced through the SPARK program, which student teaching is a part of, but for our audience members, the SPARK Education Institute is a program that runs for a year long. And so you all actually got like an added bonus two months because you started right during the pandemic and we didn't really know exactly how to get people into schools yet. So we study and we learn together and we meet on Saturdays throughout the year to talk about um, the experiences that people are having within their student teaching, but also really looking at who we are as individuals and our understanding of the world. And so I would love to hear you all share a little bit about important learnings 
that you've had throughout the year in Spark and what your experience has been like? I think Spark has been a real consciousness building experience. And as I, it's only like a couple of weeks of not having our Saturdays together and I'm feeling like, okay, I need a structure to kind of consciously reflect on that and like uh, going on, continuing. Uh, I think Spark has been a very reflective, reflective experience for me. It's really about like putting yourself in the world, understanding the world as it is and not the like stories we tell ourselves about the world and about um, the way the world works. I think for me, Spark was a real grounding in historical materialism and understanding that kind of thread through history. And as I'm working on it in my own knowledge and understanding it a little bit more, um, that worldview, I think, and putting it into practice in the classroom has been, helpful because it's I'm able to like keep that thread for students and clearly see the world because I'm less confused about it myself um so I can I can be more more confident with the way I present material and present the world and history to students because I'm less confused about the way things work you know which I'm 37 and I um I uh, thought I thought I kind of understood things well and um, in a way I did, but in a way, but also I needed the, um, the, this worldview, this outlook of spark, but, you know, historical materialism, I would say is the, the, the grounding um, concept and the grounding worldview that uh, I kind of illuminated a lot of things for me. Through, and it was through my work with Spark and the Saturdays and the, um, the readings that we did. Um, I think Walter Rodney was really fu- uh, foundational for me and uh, in seeing, looking at history and I'm teaching an economics course now and it always, always comes up and it's always present. We're talking about the IMF right now. And, and then we also have a world cultures class where we're talking, we, we jump around to different regions of the world and we always talk about co- colonialism and neocolonialism and, those kids are ninth grade and the econ kids are 12th grade and it's just so connected. And I, I feel this like, like real connection and purpose between the two classes. And I can see, okay, if I am um, a teacher of students throughout their their career in, I hate saying career for, but throughout their time in the classroom in a high school and they have me for ninth grade for that class and then they have they have me for 12th grade for another class um then they can see these threads woven through and um for sure you know other other teachers might not have that outlook that worldview and but if they and I see it with my mentor teacher who also went through Spark. Um, Henry is my mentor teacher. He also uh, did Spark and has been teaching at BUHS for 10 years. So, or, or less, but um, more than four years. So I see kids coming back to, or that he's had in previous classes and picking up that thread, seeing the teachings of, of the the ideas of Frere and um, Rodney and other writers that we've read in Spark uh, it put into pedagogy is really interesting and really inspiring, I guess. Yeah. So I guess what I've learned from spark is that, uh, you know, I'm never going to be done learning and that consciousness building is constant and 
at times really hard, but at times very illuminating. And as soon as I as soon as something becomes clearer for me, I'm very excited to put it into practice into the classroom. Let me ask you a question, Abigail, before Kyra shares. What you're describing that like Spark has um, a uh, worldview and then you can see it in all the teachers and then how it comes to the kids. Some, some folks, especially in this day and age, would call that indoctrination. And so I'm wondering, um, what your thoughts are about that and and if you can talk about yeah what you would say if somebody told you that spark is teaching kids right. indoctrination yeah yeah i mean that's that's certainly what some people would say and uh, i've i've definitely had a firsthand experience with that criticism um i would say that there's no way of teaching that couldn't be called indoctrination by somebody who has a um, a different uh, worldview, be it socialized, be it conscious or unconscious, you know. Um, and the more that I practice this, and the more that I do some self exploration and consciousness building, the more confident I am that that it's less indoctrination and more education is the only other word I can use for it, you know, uh, and I, I would push back against that criticism and say that teaching the IMF as a savior, as a, um, uh, as a tool of growth of economic growth and to lift people out of poverty as it is with its, with its programs as it is, is indoctrination, you know, as well, uh, you know, so you can look at any kind of worldview, any, any way of teaching and call it indoctrination if it doesn't serve your interests, I guess. And to add on to that, like the key to something being indoctrinated is that you're not critically thinking about it. You're not questioning whether or not this is true whether or not this is accurate you're just like oh well they told me this so this is true like for something to be indoctrinated it's unquestioned it's it's just this is how we do it and this is how we've done it and this is how we're going to do it it's it's not like like spark we've been questioning everything you know, like, what's the purpose of this practice? What's the purpose of this behavior? What's the purpose of this rule, this, this system, this structure, like, just looking at everything and just questioning it. And that's not the process of indoctrination. Indoctrination would be that, like, Christopher Columbus discovered America. That's not, that's false. Christopher Columbus did not discover America. Christopher Columbus was a part of ge the genocide of Native American people, indigenous peoples. And there's a long history there. And one of the things that Spark really helped me to develop is looking at history and figuring out what's 
what's false history, what's the story, the myth, and what's accurate and what what actually happened and and looking at yeah looking at what actually happened and and seeing the connections between different points of history and and today one of the things that definitely stuck with me was looking at food water those are those are necessities and how are those distributed who gets access to that? Who doesn't? What quality of access do they receive? You know, just asking questions and using, using that evidence and that investigation to, to figure out what's actually going on rather than... But when you're talking about understanding and analyzing history... Or just the example that you gave of like knowing that all humans need these things and, and having that be the foundation of everything that you do. What does this have to do with teaching? And I am specifically not asking Abigail because we're like, oh yeah, we can see how it relates clearly into social studies. But Kyra, as a special educator um, or Julia as an elementary school teacher, what, what is the understanding of and analyzing of history have to do with your daily work at the school? It's important because our understanding of the world is what we're bringing to the classroom. That's, that's what, that's going to impact what we say, how we respond to things that come up in our day-to-day classrooms. It's also going to impact what questions are our students asking and, and, it's going to impact their understanding of the world because I know that the common thing is, or I guess the common phrase is, we need to prepare you for the real world. Guess what? These students are a part of the real world right now. Like <laughs> they don't just exist in the school building. They're part of the world right now. And so what are the tools that they're using to analyze their history? in the world their their current their present day life in the world what are they using to make sense of that and so yeah it's important and in special education my students are treated differently in the school building and i'm sure many of our listeners are aware that people with disabilities are treated differently in the world as well and so how are they making sense of that treatment and their own experience? And all of that's connected to history because why, why have special education? Why is, why, where, what's the history of special education? First of all, why have people with disabilities been excluded? Why have people with disabilities been a target for uh, sterilization, you know, the, the removal of their reproductive organs. That's important. That's history. That's, it's all tied to this idea of intelligence and why doesn't, what even is intelligence? You know, what, why does that matter? And that's a huge thing in schools, intelligence. You have to get straight A's. You have to, cause with A's, you can get a job and you have to get a job. 
in the real world. You know, it's just, it's all connected. So it's interesting because we often think about teachers learning as solely about content. But what I'm hearing is that our learning and reflecting and understanding of the world is also about the relationships we have with students and how we understand schools as a whole. Julia, what has been your experience in Spark and some of the most important learnings for you? Uh, some of the important learning from uh, Spark that has impacted my life um, is um, in general about the, the word solidarity. I say like solidarity has been really encouraged and highly uh, practiced by the Spark program. Uh, uh, in the sense that it includes everyone and it, it empowers each and every individual who is at the program to feel like, you know, you can also be heard. Uh, you can be someone you want to be in future. Like there's a room for, for, for you. There's an opportunity for you to, to, to go further, you know. I'm not just being where you think maybe that's my end or this my end. No, you still have an opportunity to go further. So that's one thing that I've learned from uh, Spark in general. And then the other one is about the diversity, like include, including of you, you, the program itself, like involves each and everyone in all the capacity that they are trying to to put outside there and to encourage every individual to participate and get involved and be also heard. One of the teachings that also helped me to understand more about where I come from and why we've been like that is about development and underdevelopment in Africa. The resources that we have, you know, is enough for us to, to develop in our own country and not just be waiting to be helped from, to get help from other countries. And through that um, um, pedagogy of development and, and development, at least it helped me understand more of why. And also the teaching about the whole floor, about the oppressed, um, also this, um, Help me to understand that oppression. Um, yeah, those are some of the things I just um, touched me during my my time with the Spark. Thanks, Julia. I have a question for you too. I think I've missed seminars, so now I'm like, oh, let's have a conversation. Let's do this. I feel like there's one piece missing in what you were talking about with underdevelopment in Africa, and it's not just about skills and technology, but it's about who owns the resources, right? Uganda's airport is about to be taken over and owned by a foreign country because they can't pay back a loan. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna have an airport in Uganda that is not owned by Uganda, it's owned by China because they can't pay back a loan. So that also is about who owns things. But I'm curious, like with the idea of underdevelopment and development in Africa that we've discussed, how do those ideas influence 
um, kids in the U.S. about what they think about Africa from what you found? These kids, you know, they are just learning this uh, because this is what they're being told. So they are taught about how Africa is, but if, if they were there and see exactly what is going on, they could feel and, you know, ask more questions as to why they think that Africa is not a developed country and why is it that uh, it is still being, it is still under some people and not like themselves being in control of their own development. So, um, yeah, it's been very challenging to, to, to convince these kids because that is what they are told. Because sometimes when they, they, they ask, oh, you are, because I remember one of the kids asking me, you, you said, Miss Julia, you are from Africa. Which part of Africa? I just told him I come from Kenya. And he was like, oh, we are told that you people are poor. So what food do you eat, you know? Like, so, so you wonder like, why, why does this kid ask me that? Because, you know, food, yeah, food is everywhere. You, you eat what you grow, what you can, you know, what you are able to, to grow or to, you know. So I just told him, you know what, what you eat here, we also have it there. Like the rice, like the maize, you know, most of this food, we also have it there. So it's just um, like um, if we need more food, maybe what are we supposed to do or what tools we need, what are the so that apart from just only um, uh, depending on the rain, which <laughs> rarely comes, and maybe the water that um, uh, flow along the river. So because that is the only places we can have those food grown. So, but these other, um, um, these other human, this other technology of man, um, like, you know, making, um, coming up with like man-made, man-made machines that can enhance more agricultural products in the community, you know, is a little bit tricky because, uh, we need like more resources, more money to have all these tools on the ground, which, which makes us still, you know, rely on the people from outside. So, and yeah, so it was, yeah, so. One, I'm impressed with the kid, at least he asked, at least he, that kid knew that there were countries, you know, because often it's just like talked about as, <laughs> as one big thing. Try to tell me, you know, do I look like one? Do I have a tail? I'm just like you, it's only the color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, the, the, the stereotype too, I think um, makes them also question like, why are these people being said they're like this? But I see this person is just normal, just okay. And, you know, so yeah, the stereotype too yeah. is what is making them also believe that that is how those people live, which is not true, yeah.
one summer I went to South Africa and I had the same students before and after. And so they were like, bring back pictures of animals. So I said, okay. Uh, but in my mind, I'm already thinking, what's the lessons going to be about Africa when I come back? So I brought back pictures of humans and statues because I was in Johannesburg in a city or like street dogs. I didn't see, like they have this idea that it's a safari. I didn't see any animals. <laughs> so we had a good lesson about it. Like here are the animals that you asked me to take, that you asked me to take pictures of. <laughs> Thank you, Julia. Welcome back. You're listening to Indigo Radio on WVEWLP Brattleboro. We're listening to Abigail, Julia, and Kyra share their experiences of becoming teachers during the pandemic and lessons learned in the Spark Teacher Education Institute. A rigorous one-year teacher licensure program preparing educators to address the problems in our world within the classrooms and be able to work towards a more just world. As, as the SPARK program ends and you're thinking about your next steps, what do you hope to continue to learn and think about in order to grow as teachers? One thing I'd like to continue with and think about is as a teacher is um, like, how can I change the life of the students that I'm teaching or, or the community around me, like in general, as a teacher, how can I help the, how can I change the life of these students to be better people in future? What are things that can, they can see from me for them to wish to be me in future? Like, how, what, what am I supposed to do? How will I, how am I supposed to 
look myself like what picture should I should they see from me as a teacher that they can copy and then you know that will impact their life to be future to be better people in future and then um and then um I also want to further my teaching course you know I know spark is not the end I still have more um more steps or more um time to go further beyond uh, Spark. For me, I see this is just like a gateway for me to, to, use, to make use of those opportunities to reach where uh, my dream is. <laughs> yeah. I need to know more of history for one, like complete miseducation, yeah, just, I need to I need to know more of history. I think that would be really helpful because there's so many I mean we've already kind of discussed that there's so many connections and and relationships between people now um companies um, relationships of ownership and working and labor and I know that I've been miseducated on history and so and and miseducated on the relationships in the world and so I need to unlearn those things and I need to learn what's actually been happening and and what are the realities of those the relationships in the world and, and that would guide what I can connect to things that come up in the classroom. You know, there's definitely some things that can be planned, but I mean, I'm sure many teachers have, can understand that there's a lot of unexpected things that can come up in a discussion or in the middle of class. And so if I have a, I guess you could say like an inventory of, of connections that I already am familiar with and, and, and know about, then it would be much easier to, to bring that in and connect it with the students' lives. Because that's another thing that I would like to get better at of, of, of bringing their experiences into the classroom and um, in in order to help them see those connections and, and really help them make the, those connections for themselves. I think you also asked, what do we, what do each of us need to grow as a teacher? Um, and I need to speak up more. So <laughs> gotta get used to that. <laughs> yeah I would echo both what um Kyra and Julia have said although maybe I need to speak up less uh, <laughs> um I think uh I I was gonna start with you know I want to learn how to more adeptly bring students um connections I mean lives into the classroom to make those connections and also to see the contradictions that are around them about what they're told the uh, the way the world works and how the world actually works um uh 
and how to kind of plant that idea of like who owns, who labors, who benefits into students' brains so that they can see the world in that way and make those connections and see those contradictions. Um, uh, also, how to truly teach from a critical lens and then also marry the kind of conversation, how to come to, you know, uh, other students, uh, I mean, other teachers and um, faculty, administration and parents with um, a conversation about critical, a critical view in the classroom because that word is everywhere in standards and in mission statements and in education, but, you know, as Becca was talking about earlier and uh, Kyra touched on too, and about like uh, how like sometimes what we talk about in Spark and the way we talk about our classrooms can be called indoctrination. Um, I would argue that that's the criticalness that like that schools laud themselves about, like that schools pat themselves on the back around about like a critical eye to the classroom, critical, critical literacy, critical numeracy, you know, like this kind of high rhetoric around the world, word critical, I would like to actually practice critical um, teaching in the classroom and also have an adept language around it in order to engage more people in my community and in my school community, in the community at large about what, what critical actually means. And on that thread, I think I, as a teacher, as a community member, as a, an adult, I think I need to engage my community in more meaningful ways. And Brattleboro is pretty dynamic and there's a lot of um, very interesting things happening right now, very interesting alternatives to policing, alternatives to being together in community, <laughs> alternatives to getting our needs met that are kind of in its infancy right now. And it's exciting to be able to be here and learn from the people in the community and learn from people who've been doing this work for a long time um, and kind of become more of an activist, become more of a um, engaged person in my life and the world around me. Um, and I think that tying that experience into the classroom and being adept at it and being um, gracious with myself, I think too, uh, is something I need to, you know, continue to work on and practice and show kids, show students that I'm practicing and learning and growing. And I think that that will, you know, um, pay off in dividends, you know, uh, as, I, as I continue and grow as a teacher. I'm sure you all know at this point, uh, and you see th through the fact that most of the Spark faculty are alumni, that Spark is a community that people can continue to be a part of on all different levels throughout their teaching careers. If you could share one thing that you would want incoming Spark students to know, or one thing that you would want to tell incoming Spark students about your experience or about I guess I would say that um, like really listening is your best educational tool, you know, that what you talk about in, you know, in your Spark um, seminars or with your cohort um, otherwise, or with your mentor teacher or other teachers or your students, especially, and what you learn from them, you will see 
being practiced the next day in you know your um teaching that these things can feel really esoteric and really kind of high-minded a lot of the times but you will see it in actual practice over and over again and it'll get harder before it gets easier but um and it's never really easier but uh you'll you'll see it in praxis yeah for me what i would love to share with my incoming colleague <laughs> uh, student is um like uh, more about discipline like you like discipline is very important what i mean here is um to be disciplined means uh it's not only just behavior but like as a teacher you know being uh on time being punctual doing the right thing the right time at the right place that you know creates good um trust with you and the students and also making you to look you know good and be a role model to the students like if if you continue being disciplined in what you are doing the students also will wish to be like oh i would love to be teacher so and so because you know he does or she does her things you know the right way right time you know and she's punctual and she's strict on this like you know yeah so discipline is one of the things that i will share with my and also like you know no human is limited this is just like general like no matter where, where you come from and you are joining spark so spark is an inclusive program where it includes everybody like you are all valued so you are capable of becoming a better person than who you are now if you know if you have an opportunity or a chance to go further so i would love to make to let my colleagues that they can still uh, be a better people if they want to through this program and the other one is like no matter when you will accomplish your dream all dreams are valid no matter whether it's small big or what but determination is what is important if you are determined to accomplish your dream then you can do it through your determination commitments and confidence in you you learn every single day right like you're you learned in school yeah but it's different like this program it wasn't like k through 12 or like the learning that happened in college for me like it was um it went deeper and that can be jarring you know it's you're cuz you're not just learning about you know things that have happened throughout history or the world like you're you're also putting yourself under under the microscope and you don't do that in in K through 12 education you don't do that in college and so it's a process it's everything that you know is mentioned 
throughout the year, you're probably going to want to reread it, you know? Um, it's not a look at this once and be done with it forever. It's, it's a process and it's okay if everything, if everything doesn't stick the first go around because you can always revisit it and talk to other people, like talk to your cohort, talk to your, talk to the Spark faculty, talk to people who aren't even a part of Spark and clarify your own thinking and ask questions. It's okay if you don't know. Don't be don't be afraid of the unknown in asking a question. Like it's it's worth asking if you have a question. And it's not a sign of weakness to ask a question. It's a sign that you're willing to learn and listen. Yeah. Take notes. <laughs> oh, Kyra, I just remembered that you were gonna share. I asked you to share about oh, yeah. what you did to, what was it for the summer reading? Yeah. So yeah. like when we had our first couple of months without, um, without student teaching and we were just doing the readings, um, not going to lie, I got behind on the readings, but that's because I wanted to go in depth with it. <laughs> um, like I would, I would, um, write all over the the book with like any connections that I was making or um like little like memory hooks to kind of like or like diagrams really to like kind of explain and like mind maps of connecting different ideas and I would um do like vocabulary lists because there was a bunch of words I didn't know so I would um in my notebook, do like the vocabulary. And that was really helpful too. Um, and, and one of the things that, that we had started looking at in Spark was the, the etymology of a word. So like, when did it start being used? And um, how was it used? What was the context? Who was saying it? Who were they saying it about or in reference to? So like that helped with, um understanding like you know what are the implications of when we use this word today or when it was used then as well um throughout that whole period of um its usage um and yeah i would do that i would try to do that during the week and then take notes during seminar and um, yeah, wanted to wanted to like soak it all up as much as I could. Well, thank you all so much. It's lovely to see you all. Hopefully, one day it's in person again. Well, we'll end here. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thanks. <sighs> You have been listening to Indigo Radio on 107.7 FM, Brattleboro's community radio station. We've been listening to former Spark students share their experiences in the program and thoughts on becoming teachers. To learn more about the program, please visit sparkteachered.org. 
or contact us at Indigo Radio on Facebook or Instagram. You can find five years worth of past shows on SoundCloud or Apple iTunes. The song we've been listening to today on the show is Blay Amboli, Teacher. Thanks so much for tuning in and see you next week.